Morning, family. Glad you're here. Wanted to encourage you as the Sunday school kids and teachers kind of file out, maybe pray for them for a couple of seconds silently. So important that our young people are raised up in the Word. What they do downstairs is every bit as important as what we do up here. So pray for those teachers and pray for those kids that the Lord would touch their hearts. Great to have you on this fall morning. We're studying Proverbs and we'll dive in that, into that in a minute. Hope you had a good weekend. Wanted to address the elephant in the room. Yes, I got a new shirt. Last week I wore my 40 year old flannel. This week I wear my one week old flannel. My boutique is Tyson's Farm Store if you're interested. Excited to open the word together, convinced that God has some life-changing truth for us. We've read these passages a lot, we've studied them, we know what they say, but my prayer is that in my life, in your life, the Lord will open up some, some new understanding, maybe even some new obedience, that we would stand before the Lord and walk worthy of His calling. So let's ask the Lord to guide us. Father, we come to you thankful. Thankful that we have the Holy Word of God that we can study, that we can memorize, that we can learn and obey, that we can share with each other and share with others. Lord, I'm so grateful that we live in a free country where we can still speak of this openly. And although that may change, we pray that we would embrace every day that we have to uh, testify of your love and testify of your goodness. We're so grateful to know the God of the universe, and we need your help. We need your spirit to work in our hearts, to teach us, to guide us, to lead us in truth, and to lead us in obedience, Lord. Father, we don't want to be those kind that just hearers of the word only and not doers. We want to be obedient to you in Jesus' name. So we've been studying the Proverbs. My favorite connection of the Proverbs is this idea of of using the Proverbs as a tool to connect to God himself. Knowing that God in His wisdom created wisdom really to know and serve Him. And this morning we continue that trend. This morning we continue to connect with God through the Proverbs. And this morning we're focusing on God's justice, His mercy, His humility. And realizing that we need to be imitators of God as dear children. This relationship with God is just the most important part of our life. It's so critical whether we're aware of it or not. This is where life is all about. It's about connecting with Almighty God. And you have your handout. Hopefully this will help you with some notes. But as usual, we need to start with the relationship with Jesus Christ. The relationship with Jesus Christ. Can you think of a more special thing than the God of the universe loving you and loving me? And while many of you know the Lord as your personal Savior, there could be some this morning who don't. And as we often say, today's the day. Today's the opportunity. Today is that chance to realize, maybe anew, maybe for the first time, that Jesus loves you and Jesus loves me. You can see in your handout that there's some powerful scripture, and I was so excited to meet a new friend, Mr. Davis, this morning, and he handed me a card that just reminds us again that we're loved, and that the Word of God tells us over and over that we're loved sacrificially, 
We're loved unconditionally. We're loved eternally. And Mr. Davis, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And I'm excited to study this and continue to carry that and focus on that love every day. The three passages we picked this morning were 1 John 4. Take a look at that. This is how, verse 9, this is how God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. You ready for the key? This is real love. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to take away our sins. God's love for us was not dependent on us running after Him. His love came looking for us. And if you know that, celebrate it this morning. If that's new to you, embrace it this morning. We know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him may not perish but have everlasting life. And then finally, you hear me say this often, I just think it's the crux, John 1.12, But as many as receive Him... To them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. Each and every Sunday we have a chance to come and appreciate again that wonderful salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. And each and every Sunday, those who come and hear that have an opportunity for the first time to receive Christ as their Savior. And that's our prayer for you this morning, that you would have that personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Once we have that, it's all about growing. It's all about connecting with Him. It's all about abiding in Him. And so you can flip over to John 15 for that reminder that the rest of life is all about drawing close. Drawing close. And you can read the words of Jesus where He says, "If if you remain in Me and my words remain in you, then you can ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Jesus is the key for bearing fruit. Jesus is the key connection in your life. Any other relationships, important, but never as important as drawing closer and closer to the Lord Jesus every single day. We need to abide in Christ. And if you remember the Proverbs are really a tool. They're a tool that God has ordained for us to connect with Himself, to draw closer to Himself. Hopefully you remember my wacky illustration. Remember uh, Jimmy John? Jimmy John was really eager to join the ski team and he wanted to get to know the coach better and he wanted to get to know his teammates better, but he forgot one thing. What did he forget? He forgot to buy skis. He forgot to buy boots. He forgot to buy the tools that he needed. And we liken this desire that we have to get to know the Lord Jesus and to learn from Him and get get to know each other, our teammates, if you will, in the faith. But if we don't have the equipment, if we don't have the tools that God has laid out in His Holy Word, we're going to be ill-equipped. And the Proverbs are tools for us to draw close to the Almighty God, for us to implement these abiding characteristics of Christ Himself into our lives drawing us closer to Him. So vital. And so our prayer this morning is that we'll connect more. We'll draw closer. We'll leave more of the world, the flesh, and the devil behind and embrace more what Christ has for us in this abundant living, this abundant joy that He talks about throughout John 15. To do that, 
We need to be imitators of God. Point C, imitators of God. Ephesians 1 puts it pretty clearly. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Pretty clear cut. Our way of connecting to Almighty God is by imitating His, who He is and what He has done. Now that we have severe limitations in that, but so many of His attributes He wants us to live out day in and day out. And I'm thankful that the Proverbs make it clear how to do this. And this morning is no difference. This morning is about living out God's justice, His mercy, and His humility. His justice, His mercy, His humility. And if we can step forward in obedience, we can abide with Him more closely. We can have that abundant joy that the Scripture promises to us. We have to be equipped. Point two, we have to be equipped And so we're going to look at how the Proverbs would equip us to connect with God in His justice, His mercy, and His humility. And appreciate how, again, wonderful this privilege is. We can live our lives for lots of fruitless things, but when our lives are lived pursuing connection with God, pursuing, following His example, it's the greatest use of 70 to 90 years you could ever dream of. So we've got to look hard at this. We've got to look at this closely. And we've got to realize that there's action to be taken from this morning. So this first attribute of God, God is a just God. God is a just God. And in His justice, we'll look at that. Uh, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. We want to set the clear pattern that it's God's character that leads to the directives of how we're supposed to live. Years ago, I read a pretty cool book. It was called Shepherding a Child's Heart. And the premise of the book was never ask your kids to do something that doesn't have a favorable connection to God's character. If it's worth enforcing with our kids, it will reflect in some way God's character. And he gave a crazy, crazy illustration of, I, you know, I go into my daughter's room and she's sleeping sideways on her bed for her nap. And I say, oh, no, 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 no. And then I think, well, wait a minute. If she sleeps sideways, does that somehow violate God? No, right? And so the challenge as parents is always bring back our parenting, always bring back our guidance to the word of God, to who God is. And a lot of times we're going to find that there's certain things that don't matter near as much as maybe we thought they did. But when they're reflections of who Christ is, then it's worth teaching and training and building up. And so while there's parts of safety and encouragement as parents that you'll put in there, hopefully all of it reflects who God is. And this is the same for us. So as we look at Deuteronomy 32, I love this verse, by the way. There should be no doubt that the model is justice, being pure, being holy, being just, being righteous. Take a look at verse 4. I love it. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. We serve a perfectly just, pure integral, holy, righteous God. And he calls us to that same justice. Ephesians 2 will make it clear to us that mercy has to be part of how we live day in and day out. 
Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, make it crystal clear. It's so cool. There are no accidents with God. That's, that's the number two verse on my new card, Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. Thanks again for that. It's a blessing. But as we look at this, we see that, but God is so rich in mercy, verse 4. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Our position daily in Christ is through the mercy of God, through the compassion of God, through the loving, steadfast love of our Father and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so God is rich in mercy. And if I'm an imitator of God, what will my life look like? It'll be characterized by mercy. We'll learn more on that. And then finally, I'm a clear-cut guy. I love it when God just says, hey, here it is. Here's what I expect. Do you like knowing expectations? Micah 6, 8, turn there with me. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. One of those clear-cut verses for God's people. And while he's speaking to Israel, I believe wholeheartedly the consistency of who God is, we see this pattern all throughout the New Testament. Here's what God expects. Verse 7. Should we offer him a thousand of rams or ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn to pay for our sins? No, people. The Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To do what is right or just. To do justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with our God. Does it get any clearer cut? This is what God wants for your life. Just, merciful, humble living. Powerful. I love it. It's clear. And yet you can probably identify with me that I have lots of work to do. I have lots of obedience to step into. I need my life today and going forward to be more characterized by justice, mercy, and humility than it was yesterday. And we see this so powerfully. This is what God expects. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. And so as we look to the Proverbs, the goal is that the Proverbs would be the blueprint or an equipping equipping of your life so that you can love and embody and, and imitate justice, so that you can do mercy, so that you can walk humbly. So we start with justice. Point two, letter A, justice. Now again, with justice, we're talking about what is right what is holy, what is righteous. And I'm very good at looking outward to evaluate justice. Are you with me? I can pick injustice up a mile away. I can see what you're doing or what others are doing. Oh, that is wrong. That is wrong. But what about my own life? What are the areas of my life that are unjust, that are unrighteous, that are impure, that are unholy? Today's the day. Today's the day to move from that and to embrace the justice that God would have for us. Proverbs is, talks about this justice, this uprightness, this integrity. How many times did you guess, Jim? Hundreds, right? 
All throughout the word of uh, of Proverbs, we're going to hear about the upright, the godly. Look at Proverbs 10 as an example. And you can count. I counted. I came up with 20 plus. But you count to see if, if I'm close on that. But in Proverbs chapter 10, we see a list of some verses that speak very, very directly on justice. And so what I love about the Proverbs is it brings it home to rest. It brings it to the practical day by day. Let's read this and listen. You count. How many times does God call for justice? A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is sorrow to his mother. Treasures treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise of the heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Whoever walks in integrity, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. And it goes on and on and on. Do you see the practical side of this? Do you see that if I had a heart to walk justly with my God, I could open up Proverbs and I could say, what does that look like? It looks like that my secret life, integrity, one of the key parts of integrity is that what I do in secret is what I do in public and it's consistent. It's consistently righteous and just. My integrity, what I do in my mind, what I do in secret matches of life pleasing to the Lord just as much as what I do in front of you on Sundays, Wednesdays, or throughout the week. Integrity is found here. Business practices. Your faith does not end at the office place. Our business practice, our work, how hard we work for God's glory, the integrity and the truthfulness with which we work, the fairness and the rightness and the justice that we work. The amount we work, whether too much or too little, it all comes back to this holy, upright standard. And we have a chance when when you go to open the door to the garage tomorrow morning to start working on cars, you've got that opportunity to do justly. Do justly. Wonderful opportunity. And so if 20, if I'm off one or two in, in chapter 10, if there's a one fewer or one less, then you just go to chapter 11 and you can make up some more, right? Verse one, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Here it is. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Verse three, the integrity of the upright guides them. But the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. If you or when you get into a situation this week and you don't know what to do, what would verse 3 tell us? Do the right thing. Do what God wants. Do what you know to be true in the word of God. We can never go wrong by doing justly. Any relationship that needs healing, any improvement in how we relate to others, it can always be started with justice. We compromise this far too much, don't we? We've got this 
mindset, this philosophy that says the end justifies the means. Meaning that, you know what, I'm really not going to stick to this now because I I think this approach is going to be more effective in solving this problem. No. No, the end does not justify the means. How we live is as important as what we accomplish. And if there's ever a doubt of what should be done, what do you start with? Do what's right. Do what's right. Make the next right decision. Based on your wisdom? No. Based on the holy, righteous word of God. Based on the example of your amazing Savior. If we could just take that step by step by step, seeking to do what is right, I think God would be so pleased when we do it for His glory. And so all through the Proverbs, we have this very clear cut, do what's right. Do what's right. And then we get to some pretty specifics like Proverbs 28. Turn there with me. 28. This is where the rubber starts meeting the road. This is where I get a little uncomfortable because it strikes pretty close to home in my life. Proverbs 28 verse 5 reminds us, Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. Those who seek the Lord understand justice completely. We are professionals at saying, oh, we love you, Lord. We want to seek you. We want to honor you. But when that's true, where does it begin? It begins in obedience to the just standards of God's word. This thought is continued in Proverbs 21. Flip back a couple of pages, and in Proverbs 21, we're going to see another harsh but wonderful reality in verse 3. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. I loved your sacrifice of praise this morning through the singing. I loved hearing your voices offer worship to Almighty God. It's good. But righteousness And justice is even better. My obedience to the Lord is the first thing God is looking for in my life. Do you remember 1 Samuel? Turn there with me. Remember 1 Samuel? Saul was a very, very impressive man. He had the looks, he had the strength, he had the brains, he had it all. And yet, he, like so many of us, had sort of started playing this game, right? This game where he would do most of what God had laid out to do, but then he'd add his own agenda in plenty, right? And finally, God speaks to him clearly through Samuel. And finally, they lay it out crystal clear. And Samuel said, verse 22, "...has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices..." as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. God desires that you seek His will, that you seek what is right and pure and upright. And His first desire for you after you know Him as Savior is that you will do what's right in His eyes. You know what the beauty of that is? 
As we seek the Lord, we know what is right. As we seek the Lord, it's clear what is just. Will we do it? Alan Jackson, not the singer, but the preacher, says, brothers and sisters, now's the time. He says, look around you. Most of us don't remember another time where injustice and impurity and pursuit of self and world and others was more prevalent. This is the time for Christians to stand up. Not to unlovingly condemn, but to enthusiastically obey. Your righteousness, your justice, your abiding in the obedience of Jesus Christ is more needed in our lives now than ever. Will we stand up? Colossians 1, turn there please. Colossians 1 puts this pretty clearly. Paul didn't seem to pull many punches either. Did you notice that? He's a pretty clear-cut guy as well. And so when he says in verse 9, there's some encouragement and then there's some challenge. Verse 9 of 1. And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of his calling, worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Walk worthy of the calling. Does God have great things for you? Absolutely. Do you have to move mountains on your own strength? Absolutely not. You have to do the next right thing. You have to read your daily Proverbs and you have to say, okay, how do I implement that just and upright behavior? How do I say pure words, not frivolous? How do I look at wholesome things? not impure things? How do I work hard as to the Lord? How do I treat my loved ones with gentleness and care and respect? How do I let no unwholesome word come out of my mouth? These are the big things God wants us to do. This is the next right thing. And when we step and step and step to the next right act of justice, guess what? His his spirit empowers you. Verse 13, 14. He will strengthen you. He will give you everything you need. Second Peter 1, we have all that we need for life and godliness. Let's do the next right thing. Let's be men and women who say, I'm going to step forward in justice, in purity, in righteousness. No more self-indulgent sin. No more leading to frivolousness. Father, I want to honor you today through just and pure and right living. No matter what he has in store for us, I believe he would be pleased if we could be men and women of integrity, uprightness, and purity. And so pray about this. Allow the Spirit to convict you as He has me. Allow Him to show you the areas of your life that need to be cleansed. And as John, 1 John says, I'll confess those sins 
When we confess those sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's the time. This is where we stand. This is where we stop messing around and we start living holy lives for Almighty God. It's the day. Let's stop wasting time. God is the God of mercy. God is the God of mercy. And when we look at Proverbs 28, 13, we can see these commands that talk about this wonderful mercy that we're told to imitate. If there is any doubt, let's look before that. Let's look at 1 Peter 1. I like comparing God's mercy to then the Proverbs where it tells us to live out mercy. There's the motivation, right? And so 1 Peter 1, verse 3, I'm going up a few steps, bear with me. But in 1 Peter 1, we're reminded in verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we've been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. So our purpose, our joyful purpose, our inheritance, in part is rooted in God's mercy. And he calls you as an effective follower of Jesus Christ, he calls you to walk in mercy. And we look at Proverbs 28, verse 13, and we start to see the rubber hitting the road. Verse 13, 28. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Our confession, 1 John 1, 9, I just quoted it. Our confession of our daily, minute-by-minute, hourly faults. Our confession to the Lord, depending and thinking of His mercy. Strange that, again, we're benefiting from His mercy, and yet the act of obedience is faithfully confessing our sins, that He would forgive our sins. Proverbs 3, Proverbs 3, verse 3 and 4. Keep a finger in this proverb. We're going to come back. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So then you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Don't let your steadfast love get away from how your life is characterized is what this is saying. Make sure that as you live day by day, steadfast love, merciful compassion, gentleness, are guiding you in all. Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11 has more to say about this mercy that we're to imitate. Verse 17. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. I should have waited longer. I heard the pages turning. Let's read it again. A kind man, a man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. Kindness is slipping away in our society. Will we as children of God bring kindness to our relationships, kindness to our conflicts, kindness to our roles? Does kindness characterize all my words, all my thoughts, all my actions? 
God's does, God's mercy, his kindness, his long-suffering, his steadfast love. It's rooted in kindness. Let's take that to heart. There's a lot of unkind things that are being said. Are we men and women of kindness? I believe we can honor that mercy that God would have us imitate. Verse 12, verse 10. Verse 12, verse 10. Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast, but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. Even how I treat animals should be regarded with kindness. Isn't that interesting? Every area of my life should exude kindness. Kindness should characterize me no matter what setting I'm in. It's not just nicey-nicey, I'm so kind here at church, and then I'm a real jerk at home. May it never be. Is my life characterized in every aspect of kindness? Probably no surprise to you that Christy is wonderfully challenging me on this regularly. I have a strong sense of justice, but I really struggle often with the kindness. And I'm thankful that that uh, she has spiritual gift of mercy, which outweighs some of my rougher edges. And the Lord's blessing and teaching me and guiding me through her example and through her encouragement to just be kind, KT. Just be kind. And then we go to Proverbs 14, verse 31. Verse 31, and it says, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. We're missing generosity, brothers and sisters. We are missing opportunity for greater generosity. Can I tell you something maybe shocking? It's probably not completely true, but it is shocking to me that in a room of 20 people, my limited experience has been that too often it's the Christians that are a little bit more stingy and it's the other unbelievers that sometimes are more generous. Oh, may it never be. We're good at being stewards. We, we sometimes pride ourselves in making a dollar last, but are we eager to give that dollar in generosity? Are we eager to share generosity with all those around them? And this is controversial, so get the tomatoes ready to throw. But a lot of times, my generosity needs to be done in mercy. Because I judge a lot of people and I judge who I'm going to be generous with sometimes pretty harshly about whether I think that they're pulling their weight, right? I don't want to be an enabler of sloth, but I don't want to be a judgmental person that misses the mercy of generosity. Let's be careful about the standards and the rigid requirements that we put on others before we share generously with them. And let's take it to the Lord. Let's seek his wisdom on it. But I know in my life there's been an excuse where I don't want to give to the poor. I want to keep that dollar for myself. Therefore, I'm going to focus on this or this. Are we merciful in our generosity? Are we merciful in sharing what God has shared with us? Food for thought. Let's pray about it. And then finally, Luke 6. I love Luke 6. Luke 6 lays out the challenge. Christ says, be merciful. And then he's going to give you some of the the breakdown of what that looks like. 
And again, clear definition. Luke 6, verse 36 through 38. He starts with his premise. He says, verse 37 even, judge. Nope, verse 36. Thank you. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. And now he's going to talk about how to do that. Judge not, and you will be not judged. Condemn not, and you will be not condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, God's justice is our standard. We never stray from that. We never just, uh, we never uh, legitimately, uh, what do we say? We never condone sin. We never embrace impurity or brush it aside. But we need to be careful. We need to be merciful in how we judge and merciful in how we treat one another and certainly merciful in how we forgive and certainly merciful in how we give. What if the Christians became the most generous people on the face of the planet? What if we as a family said, you know what, God, show us how to be more generous. What would God accomplish? Something to pray about. And then finally, as we bring this home, what was the third thing that God expects from us? Do justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly. Walk humbly. Humility. It's so vital. We just studied First Peter a few months ago, and you remember that God was very clear that he does what with the proud? He opposes the proud. He does what with the humble? He lifts up the humble. He exalts the humble. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And Proverbs is going to bring it home in like manner. Proverbs eighteen twelve, very clear. Before destruction of a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Before destruction of a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. We already said humility is a completely God characteristic. There is nothing in the world that exemplifies humility outside of who God is. Scientists who believe in evolution are baffled by a mother bird sacrificing her life for a baby bird. Altruism is a, a, a enigma, a crazy thought to the evolutionists because God has woven humility and care and self-sacrifice into his very creation. And, and what? If you want to walk humbly with your God, you're going to have to do it by searching God's word and by encouraging each other because there is no example out there of true humility outside of God's standard. Haughtiness leads to destruction. Humility is the key ing- is a key ingredient in walking with the Lord. And then Proverbs 3, I promised you we'd be going back there. Proverbs 3, I promised that we would address this again. This is a different angle of humility, but let's be blunt. This is the one that many of us struggle the most with. Proverbs 3 is going to lay out a crystal clear approach for humility. Trust in the Lord, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him 
He will make your path straight. Do you hear the humility oozing through that? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. I don't know more humility than that. God, it's not my wisdom. It's not about me. It's about you. Don't raise your hand. How many of us struggle with wanting control? How many of us struggle with wanting perfectionism? And oh, we need to release that. We need to sacrifice that to the Lord. And we need to say, Lord, you guide us. You lead us. Not my understanding, Lord. Not my control of these situations. I trust you, Lord. I trust you to make the path straight. I can't think of a harder act of humility than to say, I'm not going to worry about this, Lord, because I trust you. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Humility can bring the best freedom you've ever experienced. Humility acknowledges worry as sin and pride and it embraces wonderful dependence on the king of the universe that controls every atom in this world. Can he work out your issues? He who's able to do beyond what you ever imagined or think. Will we humble ourselves and trust in the Lord? You're going through hard things. I know that. You're going through hard things. Heartache, pain, fear, struggles. Cast those cares on the Lord, as First Peter says. Give those cares over to the Lord, resting in Him, trusting in Him. You don't need to control it all. You don't need to grab onto it. You don't need to worry. God offers and then promises peace and care. Not always according to how I expect it, but according to his perfect planning and will. And then finally, just a few verses later, verse 34 of chapter 3. Toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. A reminder again of 1 Peter. God opposes the proud, he gives grace to the humble. To the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. And then let's wrap it up. Romans 12, we, as a youth group, studied this last semester. And again, one of the most clear-cut, up-in-my-face, action-demanding verses was Romans 12, verse 3. And it reminds us of all that we're challenging. It brings it home, I think. It wraps up this whole concept that God wants justice in your life. He wants mercy in your life. And he wants humility in your life. Verse 12, verse 1 will start. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members... And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. 
if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service, if in then serving. And it goes on. The humility we can adapt here is back to the justice. I refuse, Father, to be conformed to the world. I am your servant. I am your, I must, I'm sacrificed to you. I belong to you, Almighty God. Use me, and I know that I need to be a clean vessel, Lord. And so I'm going to humble myself, turn from desires of the world, and I'm going to embrace the the opportunity to live day in and day out for you, Almighty God. I'm going to seek the Lord in being sober in how I evaluate myself. No young man needs much encouragement to think highly of himself, right? We need to think soberly. Show me, Lord. Help me to humble myself and show me where I need to improve and then be humble to accept that correction. When my brother comes and gives me correction, I need to accept it. And then the last part of this is so powerful too. What does the humble life look like? It's a life lived in service to the Lord. It's acknowledging that you have a special gift, that you have been shaped by Almighty God for special service. And we're encouraged that the household of faith, this family, is your golden opportunity to live out that service, to exercise those gifts, to get involved, to do your part. Some of those will be behind the scenes, like my brother Stefan. Some of those will be serving you throughout the week. You'd never know he's here. Like Anita, like others that are serving behind the scenes. And others will be more up front and, and visible. And just as much humility is needed with all of them. Proverbs is calling us, like the rest of Scripture, to love justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Father, we commit this to you. Unless your spirit works in our life, it's all a waste. And so we need your spirit to please convict us and to then give us the strength and the help to obey. What a blessing to know the God of the universe. What an amazing gift that he wants, that you want us close to you, that you want us to abide in your son, the supreme Lord Jesus. And so we pray that we would stand up that we'd be ready, that today would be the day, Lord, that we step closer to you, more dedicated to you, ready to be just, ready to love mercy, ready to walk humbly with our God. We love you. In Jesus' name.